This is CQ State Report, your nonpartisan news source for examining state lawmaking and regulations, as well as the intersection of state and federal policy. Hi, I'm Tony Nafo, editor of CQ Roll Call's State Report, and I'm here today with my colleague Jason Dick, who's just finished a profile of a very colorful Nevada lawmaker, Michelle Fiore. Well known beyond her state, thanks largely to photos she's posted on social media of herself and her family, all carrying firearms. We profiled Fiore, though, not because she's so well armed, but because she's made our list of the 25 most influential women in state politics. We've been running profiles of each of these women in roll call, and we'll gather them all together at the Republican and Democratic conventions this summer. Michelle Fiore made the list because she's made a difference. And now she's aiming to step into the national stage, seeking the Republican nomination in Nevada's third congressional district race. Jason, your profile paints a picture of one interesting lawmaker. Tell us about your visit to her Las Vegas home. That was the first thing that I thought was kind of odd. I mean, usually you uh, you meet a candidate and their communications director sets something up at a coffee shop, kind of a neutral spot, or in the, the lawmaker's office or something like that. You're on a strict clock, in and out. It's very businesslike and sort of stage managed. I contacted her communications director, or her, uh, her administrative assistant, and we were invited to her home in in uh, Las Vegas. It's kind of on the northern edge of Las Vegas. It's a kind of a compound is the best way to describe it. It's in the suburbs, but it's surrounded by a wall. It's uh, well well guarded, sort of, so to speak, by by two dogs. Uh, one that looks basically kind of like a rat, and the other that's almost as big as a horse. And uh, she she runs a lot of her office stuff through there. Carson City's a long way away, the capital of Nevada. Uh, she was just kind of delightful. She was a very nice host. But that was the odd thing is that most most of the time you don't get candidates just inviting you into their homes mm-hmm. uh, and offering you coffee and, and really like turning on the charm right away. And whether that's part of her image, part of, you know, that she's trying to cultivate or whether she's just a good hostess, it was interesting and a real difference than than a lot of the candidates that I've, I've interviewed before. Mm-hmm. She seems to like to draw guns into her image in a big way. What's that all about? Uh, she is a very much a libertarian. Um, she's a Republican, but she has very libertarian leanings. And a, a lot of this, I think, is it comes into you know this very popular stance in Nevada. A lot of people in Nevada uh, take very seriously the Second Amendment rights. She's also from Brooklyn, New York, though, uh, and it's it's this interesting juxtaposition. So she has some. Uh, libertarian leanings, but she also has some very liberal, what we would consider very liberal leanings as well, uh, wrapped up into this sort of pr- sort of prototypical Western gun position. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, uh, she, so she packs heat, but uh, is she an effective lawmaker? Uh, that's a little bit up to debate. I mean, she is a fairly junior member of the Assembly, and she's had a number of bills signed into law, a couple of them actually with uh, Democrats. Uh, I mean, mo- most of the mark that she's made in the legislature has been on uh, opening up gun laws uh, and making it easier to either store ammunition, say, like one, one legislative uh, item that, that did get signed into law was something that uh, allowed people in foster homes to store ammunition. But that is that's something that's a fairly popular among the Republican Party, at least, I mean, whether she's pushing that agenda or whether she's sort of the beneficiary of the agenda as a junior member of the assembly is kind of up to debate. Where she's made her mark, though, is not so much in the assembly, but in the way that she's inserted herself into some of the political dialogue in Nevada and in the West. A lot of those Western issues revolve around land use. And she's been associated with this Bundy family that's gotten in some uh, tiffs with the federal government. 
But she got some pretty positive attention in this last situation up in Oregon. Tell us about that. Yeah, uh, around the start of the new year, uh, a, a group of armed uh, men and women went up and they occupied the Malheur National Wildlife Refuge outside of Burns, Oregon. It started as a protest against the imprisonment of two ranchers who had vandal- been convicted of vandalizing federal property. But it quickly escalated into a larger debate over mm-hmm. land use and they said that they were going to occupy this wildlife refuge, cut down the the uh, fences around it to allow cattle to graze in the area and so forth. It became a weeks-long standoff. The feds got involved. The FBI got involved. This could have been a very uh, grave situation. She went up to Oregon and she actually helped negotiate an end to the standoff. And she was able to do that because she already had a, a relationship with Clive and Bundy's family, correct? That's true. Now, the, the Bundys were, had already been apprehended at that point, mm-hmm. uh, but like she, she actually was involved in helping negotiate the drawdown of a standoff in t- 2014 outside Clive and Bundy's ranch in uh, Bunkerville, Nevada. That uh, gave her a lot of sort of bona fides in, this, in land use issues, particularly in the conservative and libertarian uh, areas of thought. And when she went up to Oregon to negotiate the last few holdouts up there, the Bundys again had been apprehended already by federal authorities, but there were you know four or five people left and she was able to sort of talk them down. Uh, and it, it ended without any violence. The last part of it, their surrender ended up with any, without any violence. Okay. One of the things we've noted in this series is that women who run for office win their races at about the same rate as men, but they're a lot less likely to run. What made Michelle Fiore run? She said it was really her own experiences in running a business. Uh, she had been she had a home health care business uh, earlier that she ran with her mother. She'd been involved in some other businesses with uh, with different uh, people, and she. This is the reason a lot of people get involved in in politics is that they see they run up against the government, they see something they don't like, and they say they want to change things. And that was her impetus. She said that she basically got tired of of dealing with some of the regulations and she wanted to deal with it herself. Okay. And we have a little bite from your uh, interview with her uh, that we can play. So those are my two literally politically incorrect reasons is frustration motivates me. And anger drives me. And so when, as a businesswoman here in the state of Nevada, I was getting frustrated with the other elected officials creating laws, creating overburdens and regulation, creating fees and taxes. And I thought to myself, and I said to my second husband, who's Nat came, I said, Nat, who's making this? Um, and that's my second husband. We don't have to go through my lovers. <laughs> so, so, um... <laughs> Anyway, <clears throat> and we're all friends. <laughs> so. Now, as you've noted, she leans libertarian, and, and I guess that sometimes puts her at odds with some of the Republican orthodoxy, especially on some social issues. Uh, tell us about that. Uh, yes, yeah, she again. She was born in Brooklyn, and she is basically raised in a Democratic family. Uh, her mother uh, is is gay, is a lesbian, and she said that that helped form a lot of her thoughts on gay rights. That the government had no business in you know being a part of anything that would discriminate against gay people. She said that she marched when she was a kid in gay rights parades. Uh, she's also uh, very leans very libertarian when it comes to uh, drug use, particularly marijuana. Um, she doesn't think that the, the government has any role to play in in uh, in regulating you know th- those sort of substances i think that this is 
you're seeing sort of a more individualistic style of politics kind of going out there in the rest of the country and she's a good example of that. We saw this with Rand Paul's presidential campaign that there were a lot of libertarian impulses that you wouldn't necessarily associate with the Republican Party. Um, she hasn't risen to the point of being a national figure as much where it might bump up against anything from party bosses and so forth but it's still early. And we have a clip from your interview uh, in which she talks about what uh, motivated her in the first place. I believe in my heart and soul uh, that if the Republicans want to spout that they are truly the party of freedom, then they need to display that in actions. So if the Republicans are truly the party of freedom, then display it. That means we are free to choose our doctors and medicine. We are free to choose who we love. And we are free to be a responsible adults and make our own decisions. And that's what, um, I have to tell you, I'm not happy with either party, the Democrat Party or the Republican Party. I just want to just smack them both in the, you know, in the back of the head and say, you know, what the hell are you two doing? <laughs> I just don't believe that every one of us is either 100% Democrat or 100% Republican because we have different belief systems. And I think what separates leaders from go-alongs is the people that, are, that will stand up to their own party, both Republican and Democrat, and say, uh-uh, guys, that is not okay, that is not right, and we have to um, definitely vote the way the people want us to vote. Now, she's in a crowded field in that GOP primary, uh, so she may or may not end up in Washington. But if she does, is Washington ready for her? You know, that's an interesting question because, you know, since 2010, we've had a, a very much uh, a, a type of particularly Republican who's come to Washington with what they consider sort of marching orders to really shake the place up. So she would fit in, I think, fairly well with, say, like the Freedom Caucus or, you know, the, the old Tea Party set. Where she might run into some cultural differences is that she said that she continues to carry a firearm in, in no firearm zones, which would include schools and hospitals and so forth. And, you know, Washington has some of the strictest gun laws in the country and the Capitol does not tolerate it either. You're not supposed to bring a, a gun into the Capitol, even if you're a member of Congress. So that could obviously pose some uh, interesting <laughs> encounters with uh, a, a possible Congresswoman Fiore. Well, armed as she is, you've noted in your story that she can be pretty disarming. Um, won't that help her? I think so. Um, you know, she she mentioned this. You know, that the, the dinner table conversation can get very interesting in her household. Uh, her mother, who she's noted is is, is a lesbian, uh, is is supporting Donald Trump this year after supporting Hillary Clinton in two thousand eight. Uh, she Fiore herself has endorsed Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz does not endorse gay rights. The way that she engages with political issues, as she demonstrated in Oregon, in, in disarming, you know, in, in sort of defusing a very volatile situation, she shows that she can bring people together and that she has this charm. I mean, you've, you've heard her laugh and she's just can, uh, the type of engaging person who would seem could actually talk to a number of people. Mm -hmm. Now, whether that's the uh, because she grew up in, in New York and now has made most of her adult life in Nevada. Uh, she's a businesswoman. She makes movies. Uh, I mean, she's just a, a, this character. And, and it's, it's somebody who is a very 
I hate to keep on using the word engaging, but like you, you get used to people with canned remarks and wanting to hit their points. And she does that too. I mean, she has an agenda just like any political figure. But she does know how, seem to know how to have a conversation and to engage people and to charm them. Mm-hmm. And that's, a, that's almost a lost art in politics these days. Wow. Thanks, Jason. That was CQ Roll Call senior writer Jason Dick on Nevada lawmaker Michelle Fiore. I'm Tony Nafo. Thanks for listening. Until next time, you can find our state reports on CQ.com, follow us on Facebook and Twitter at CQ Now, and you can download our podcasts on iTunes and SoundCloud. Thank you for listening to CQ State Report. For more information on legislative and regulatory tracking, visit us on our site, CQStateTrack.com.